Hello and welcome to another episode of the 94 NBA podcast. I'm one of your hosts, as always, Eric Spiropoulos. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros NBA. Um, and no, my last name is not pronounced Spionos, which was uh, how it was pronounced on NBA TV. But uh, shout out to them Love for showing it. my tweet in the first place. <laughs> um, but Corbin, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I mean, I'd be doing a little bit better if my Lakers weren't getting eviscerated by the Warriors here uh, <laughs> Saturday primetime. But aside from that, okay, can't really complain. Yeah, for uh, those of you who probably be listening to this later, we're recording on uh, Saturday night, February 2nd. Um, and of course, the big story of the week. We got two main stories that we're going to talk about, but one is really timely because that was the trade that went down earlier this week between the Knicks and the Mavericks that basically came out of nowhere. Um, it was like earlier in the day there was reporting that Porzingis was unhappy with the Knicks' direction and had met with the front office and basically said he kind of wanted out. Um, but usually when those things happen, it takes like a, lot, a decent amount of time to actually get traded. And here we were like a couple hours later and Porzingis is on the Mavericks now. Um, so before we get into analyzing it, the deal is um, the Knicks get Dennis Smith Jr., DeAndre Jordan, Wesley Matthews, and two first-round picks. Um, the first of those could be in 2021. Um, and that pick is top 10 protected. And then the next pick, if they get in 2021, would be in 2023. And that is an unprotected first round pick. Um, and then the Mavericks get Porzingis, of course, Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Trey Burke. Um, what was your initial reaction, not just for from each team's perspective, but just overall when you saw the, the notification from Wadge that this trade happened? So what's funny is I was actually on my lunch break when this all went down. So I caught every bit of it, and I was just refreshing Twitter, you know, absentmindedly looking at some stuff. And then I saw that, you know, Kristaps had the meeting, and it was like, it was so quick. Bam, 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 in, like, rapid succession. Okay, now he met with, the you know, the front office, and they came away with the phone that he wouldn't be traded. Then there was, like, the five teams, and Dallas wasn't on the list. And in watch fashion, like, that one team that's not listed is, like, the sleeper team. And it, it just happened so quick. I was stunned. It was like a gut punch. And I remember going, wow, that's interesting. And now looking back on it, I was like, whoa, Porzingis and, you know, and Luca, that's just a match made like, wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is going to be absolutely uh, insane. Oh, my gosh. And, I mean, my my 2K brain started going off of the, the pick and pop matchups and just having those two play in a Carlisle system. And I actually, and I'm sure we're going to get into this in a little bit, but I like the ancillary pieces that were added as well. Even though it's extra money for Dallas, but Tim Hardaway Jr. and Trey Burke as a third guard in that Berea role kind of. I, I really think it's interesting. And let's not forget Courtney Lee, who I think had flourished there. It it, it it was, um, the more I thought about it, the better off it seemed for me for both teams, if not a little bit delusional on the Knicks side, but I'm sure we get to that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, this is, I mean, this is, I tweeted this out, I think, like, later that night. Like, this this is one of those trades where you just sit back and, like, this is so fascinating, and this is, like, why the NBA is, is so great, because you have these absurd trades that come out of nowhere that are going to, you know, these trades could, you know, define the next decade for for these these teams um because if the knicks don't do anything in free agency this trade's going to probably you know screw them for the next decade but if they do hit on, in free agency and get two stars this trade could save their next decade and meet you know on the other hand for the mavericks if porzingis comes back to his previous levels and stays healthy they've acquired another star and obviously as we all know you have to have stars to win in the nba and this is a trade that could define them and they're pairing him with with a Doncic, both young players that could grow, it, it could you know set up a really successful decade. Of course, if Porzingis never gets back to that level or can never stay healthy, they just gave away a lot of future assets for a team that you know they're not going to have money next summer or this upcoming summer. 
they'll have some more money down the line when you know guys like Harrison Barnes and Dwight Powell and Hardaway Jr. get off the books. But you know, it's it's hard to rely on free agency. And as they kind of expected, they said, you know what? What are we going to do in free agency? We might as well take on Lee and Hardaway Jr. if it means getting Porzingis as well. Um, and I agree. I mean, I think Courtney Lee, you know, he's 33. He'll turn 34 next season. He, he's barely played this year. Um, obviously, a lot of it's because of the youth movement in New York. But he can still give him something if his body can hold up. I mean, his skill set is valuable for them. And Tim Hardaway Jr. is that guy where I think he thrives, you know, with more structure around him. Like, he did really well. Um, with Budenholzer in Atlanta, I think it was two seasons ago, you know, Carlisle and the Mavericks should have more structure around him, a more defined role. He's not going to be given all this opportunity to just chuck up shots. That'll be really helpful for him. So I, I agree with you that Lee and Hardaway Jr. in the right roles could be nice uh, secondary pieces in this trade, you know, or surrounding Doncic and Porzingis, because in the immediate future, they won't have many opportunities to build, to add more to their team than they do right now. Yeah, and, and I actually have a question for you in this. What with these moves, I mean, obviously the the key part for Dallas was getting Porzingis and that extra salary just happened to, you know, it's kind of the cost of not only making a match but just kind of getting such an asset. But do you think these players help Dallas? I mean, I don't think they're in the playoff race so much, but they are at least competitive pieces. I think Tim Hardaway Jr. is still a, a positive asset for winning um in the right situation. Uh, Courtney Lee you already mentioned, but his his skill set is valuable for Dallas and and I see Trey Burke I really see him being I mean with more consistent minutes which he did not get at all in New York I think him playing you know kind of spot minutes in that three guard role that you know Carlisle loves can do wonders for him as well do you think this helps Dallas in the short term with just these three just those three players um I I don't I don't think it'll help him that much um, okay. I, mean, I agree, but I just wanted to know. Yeah, I mean, they're, so they're 23 and 28 now. They're five games out of the playoff picture um, today. I think they're tied in Cleveland right now, um, and Doncic is going off. But I, I think, so, yeah, I, I just don't think that Lee and Hardaway Jr. and Burke are going to be, like, real difference makers. Like, those are the guys that will win you some games when your team is pretty good, but if you give them an extended role, a featured role, which they're going to have when they join the team because, you know, they don't really have many many other options, especially, you know, at point guard for, like, a guy like Burke. Um, and, you know, on the wing, um, you know, they got other guys, but, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith's not going to really create shots for other people. Harrison Barnes should get a bigger role down the stretch, but that's not exactly a great thing for the Mavericks. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think that – and you look at their, you know, their, their first-round pick this year being top five protected. You know, if they were to look at this and be like, okay, Porzingis probably should not play at all this season, so let's just, you know, sit him out. Is there a way they can get into the bottom five, you know, for the lottery? It's hard because there are some really, really bad teams in the Eastern Conference. I was about to say, Phoenix and New York would like a word. <laughs> hey, what about the, the Bulls and Cavs? Cavs? Oh my gosh, I want to mention those guys. <laughs> Bulls, Cavs, Knicks, and Suns already have at least 40 losses. Um, and the Mavericks only have 28. So, Hashtag know, trying for Zion. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> it's going to be hard for them to really keep their pick this year anyways just because there's so many teams worse than them. But again, with the lottery odds kind of changing a little bit, maybe they could just really stink it up the, re- the remainder of the season um, and get and keep their pick and then add that to their young core because they're not going to have money to spend basically this summer um, for the most part. So I don't think it's going to help them in the short term. Um, but long term, obviously, I mean, that's where we can really you know analyze the, the, the balance of trading away young Dennis Smith Jr. and two first-round picks, while you're also getting, obviously, their main prize is Porzingis, who I believe is 24. 
obviously he's still young and kind of developing and not really in his prime yet. So, you know, how do you how do you balance given the risks that we know about Porzingis and his injury history and, you know, big men coming back from ACL injuries, how do you balance getting that versus giving up Dennis Smith Jr. and two first round picks? I, I That's a good one. I mean, you're right. It, it's it's different. It's weird. I mean, I could even I'm still trying to make sense of it on not only like the question you just asked, but just on the New York side as all well, as well. Because you're right, there's uncertainty on one end, and but there's also uncertainty on the other end as well. Absolutely. I mean, I, I one thing I tweeted out. I don't remember I tweeted out. Maybe I just thought it to myself. But uh, <laughs> <Same there. laughs> one of the things. This is one of those trades where um, there's such a strong amount of risk for both teams, and I think because of that, there's a way that both teams could be winners from this deal and there also is a way for both teams to lose this deal which almost never happens like usually it's fairly Mm -hmm. clear some recently though the pacers thunder trade for paul george has been a a pretty much you would say a win-win um yeah this is this is the ability i mean so for the knicks if they don't sign a star or multiple star players in 2019 and end up spending a good amount of their money on you know good but not great role players, not role players, good but not great players. Like Tobias Harris is the perfect example. Like he's a he was a borderline all star. He didn't make it this year, but he you know a lot of people had him on their ballots. But if they get him as their featured 2019 free agency pickup, it's it's not going to look good for them moving forward. Um, you know, <laughs> I like the way you said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just not. I mean, you make this trade and don't get a star player in free agency, it's just not a good look. For the Mavericks, if like I said before, if Porzingis doesn't get back to his previous level, or he can just never stay healthy, like even if Porzingis gets back to what he was doing when he got hurt, which by the way, for anyone who needs a reminder, was nearly twenty-three points, six and a half rebounds, and two and a half blocks per game, with two three-pointers per game from a big man. Um, Tell him. Yeah, if anyone needs a reminder, that was what he was putting up. But if he can only give you that for fifty games a year, you know, you gave up Dennis Smith Jr., who again. I think a key point, basically from what I saw, uh, from my analysis of this trade and also from seeing other people analyze this trade on Twitter, is a lot A lot of it came down to how you perceive Dennis Smith Jr. Um, like, if you think that he's still got that potential to be a really good starter in the NBA at point guard, you probably like this deal less for the Mavericks. But if you think he's you know, a little bit too overhyped because of his athleticism and his potential and where he was drafted, and you think he's going to be you know, at best an okay starter, then you're like, okay, this, this makes a lot more sense for, for the Mavericks as, as a kind of a taking that risk. But even then, you get giving up Smith and the two first-round picks if KP doesn't get back to his previous level or can never stay healthy, it's, it's not going to look good for them either. So I, I agree with you. There's just such a strong amount of risk for both teams here that we usually don't see in trades. Usually there's like risk for one team and the other team is, you know, clearly giving something away, like clearly being a seller. But this is a, these are two teams with two different plans and executing it differently, and both could, you know, work out well for them, or both could kind of blow up in their faces. Yeah, and I think it's more, I actually kind of want to get your input on this as well. I'm just going to give mine. As far as New York and, and having the move they made, obviously it was for that tantalizing, unknown future of cash space and, and future picks, and, you know, who knows without pop-up. You already mentioned how it could kind of either A, work spectacularly for both, or B, end up terrible. But like you mentioned with Dennis Smith Jr., as just the player himself, isn't he the same point guard that the Knicks wanted in that 2017 draft? <laughs> it's kind of funny that, like, post-Porzingis era, 
they do get the guy they end up drafting as well as Dennis Smith Jr., the guy who they were coveting to begin with. And I think it actually would make for an interesting future backcourt if Coach Fisdell even, you know, ever freed uh, my man Frankie Smokes. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what do you think about that as far as how he matches in? Because you already mentioned, I mean, the dude is supremely confident. He's just athletic, trying to shout it backwards when he dunks. You know, inconsistent a little bit, maybe some attitude problems. Uh, you know, th- there's some stuff to go with that. But as far as just his matchup in New York um, moving forward, do you think that will work? And more specifically, do you think he has a future alongside Frank Nelikina? Well, I mean, it's tough, it's tough to say what Nelikina's future is in New York anyways. Like, I would not be That's surprised true. if he is traded away this summer to open up a little bit more cap space or to get another asset if teams value him. Um, the fit is really, really interesting because Nelikina has this length and obviously has been you know really impressive as a, as a defender so far, um, at least with the eye test. And Smith... Hasn't been impressive as a defender, but he has the tools to be a good defender. So theoretically, if both were really engaged, they both have the tools to be, you know, one of the better defensive backcourts when they both hit their primes. Um, obviously, you know, being young point guards, it's, it's really hard. And we know point guards just take sometimes take so long for them to develop. Um, but offensively, I think it's going to be pretty tough uh, as a fit just because of the lack of shooting between <laughs> yeah, the two. Both. I mean, are what sub thirty three percent three point shooters? So yeah, yeah. Uh, Smith this year is thirty four point four percent, but last year was thirty one percent. And Neil Aquina, I'll look it up right now. Um, he shot, he's thirty percent for his career. He's twenty nine percent this year. Um, so you know the shooting is going to be so cramped, and then you know who you know who's going to be paired with them in the front court. You know if you have these two guys as your starting backcourt. You're going to need three – you probably need three good shooters in the front court to make up for the lack of shooting in the back court. So I don't like the fit that much offensively. Um, defensively, I think that there's some really good potential there because Neil Aquino has the length to guard you know, shooting guards or twos, and Smith has the athleticism to, to really you know, bother some, start, some starting point guards as well. So I like it better defensively. I also just don't think that's going to be their backcourt. Because um, obviously we all know they have you know their eyes set on a, a certain point guard um, that currently plays in Boston that would uh, clearly take over the starting spot. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> but I, I mean, I think their plan would be in their ideal world is signing Kyrie and then trading Neil Aquina and going with Kyrie and Smith as either Smith being his backup at point guard or doing some dual point guard lineups a lot of the time. Um, I think. Obviously, I don't know this. I'm just speculating. But I think if if everything went well for the Knicks, it would be signing Kyrie and probably trading Neil Aquino for another future asset to maybe mm-hmm. compile some – you know, because the Knicks have never had picks before, really. Um, so they could actually stockpile some picks to make trades down the line or they just trade them to open up even more cap space. So that's what, that's what I would expect yeah. from them. I mean, to hear – and also, this has some context as far as Dennis Smith Jr. To hear Coach Fisdale um, – it was reported by Ian, Ian Begley – Coach Fisdale said he wanted to put the ball in his hands a lot and give get him out in the open court and get him a lot of space, give him some freedom to make some mistakes while he's learning. At the same time, wants to challenge him to do more defensively, to think more of himself defensively. But, man, there's no doubt about it. The kid's a talent, and hopefully we can bring it out consistently. Now, Coach Fisdale has been known to make some um, interesting uh, lineup and roster adjustments, so I don't put a whole lot of stock into it. At the same time, I do think that if he's going to get some room to actually run it without being, you know, kind of uh, reined in, because Coach Carlisle did do that for a minute. It could be kind of cool. He has a great quick twitch ability. He's not a really lockdown defender, but I think playing with Frank, if Frank does get a chance, you already mentioned he could be gone. That gives them, you know, a, a, a pretty kind of significantly uh, threatening backcourt, at least lengthwise. You know, athleticism. 
Yeah. Um, and I just Googled when I was looking up for Dennis Smith's stats, I came across an article from the com, which is literally titled, can the Knicks make a Dennis Smith Jr. Frank Nielakina backcourt work? Um, oh, so it was posted on February 2nd by uh, Eli Cohen. I haven't read it yet, but I'm, I'm going to leave it up on my tab so I can check it out after we finish recording. But, uh, so yeah, wait, so, but, um, I want to take a step back and, and kind of look at it from the perspective of both teams. Um, so obviously for the Knicks perspective, it's all about the cap space, but I think there was, there was obviously some reporting that the relationship with KP was, was basically over anyways, and it might've just been a matter of time or what kind of deal they could have got, um, for him. Um, again, they're taking a big risk, I think, opening up, you know, the cap space for 2019 while giving up an all-star in Porzingis because Porzingis was an all-star the year he got hurt. Um, and then, you know, getting Smith and two firsts is, you know, either part of a young core, those picks and Smith, or it's assets for a trade in the future. You know, maybe they sign a star in free agency and end up trading for one later on. You know, who knows? Um, mm-hmm. And then for the Mavs perspective, and we, we kind of went over it, but you basically, it comes down to needing stars to win in the NBA. And, you know, we talked about Porzingis can be an awesome fit with Luka. You know, Lee and Hardaway, like you mentioned, can help out here and there over the next season or two as their deals start to expire. And then they can hopefully be replaced with better players, you know, if the Mavericks can start hitting on some free agents. Um, but really, I like that they kind of took a step back and said, okay, we've got cap space for 2019 free agency, but what are we going to spend it on anyways? You know, like, they haven't really hit on free agents in a while. All these other teams have done it over the past couple of years. The Knicks are one of them, which is ironic. Um, but, you know, they smartly realized that it's probably better to take a risk and acquire a star while they can. Um, and while I'm not really ever a big fan of trading picks that are far into the future, like that 2023 first round pick could be is going to be completely unprotected. You know, who knows? I mean, if, if, if Doncic and, and Porzingis stay healthy and develop and they can, you know, spend well in free agency, you know, over the next couple of years, they should be, what, like a top three team in the West, if you, you'd imagine, if they have two, you know, really top 15, top 20 players. On the other hand, if Porzingis never gets healthy, it's Doncic and what? Maybe they overpay for role players in free agency uh, again? Like maybe like, yeah, so then that pick could be pretty decent. Uh, it's just so far into the future to, to kind of know exactly what, what happens, so... Um, those are, I mean, that's my perspective from, for both teams of, of why they did this deal. I think there's obviously, like we said, a lot of risk on both sides, a lot of fascinating, a fascinating deal. And probably one of the most interesting trades we've had in the NBA in, in quite a long time. Um, but this is probably a deal that it will take a decent amount of time to really know who won. Obviously if the Knicks strike out in free agency, we'll probably all laugh at them and be like, ha ha, they lost a the trade. But we have to really see what Porzingis does in Dallas to say, oh, the Mavericks clearly won or what the Knicks do with those first-round picks or what they do with Smith, etc. Yeah, I agree. It's going to take a little bit for it to figure out. Uh, tell you one thing, I'll rather, I'll much rather be playing with the Mavericks in this in the latest 2K than the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, just, just throwing definitely. it out there. Um, also, I mean, it's it, we have to mention that it's probably that Wes Matthews and DeAndre Jordan will most likely be bought out. I mean, they haven't been definitive reports about that, but it, it just would make too much sense considering how the Knicks just don't really play veterans anymore um so you know that opens up possibilities for like the 76ers to get Wes Matthews maybe the Lakers the Rockets or the Wizards even to get like a DeAndre Jordan um I want the yeah I want the Thunder to get Wesley Matthews so bad that man. would be that would be really really helpful for them and, and we'll definitely be talking about the Thunder making a trade later on in this podcast in our later segment um but yeah let, let's move on um to more trade discussion. I mean, it's the only thing we talk about this time of year. Um, oh, yes, sir. But, but obviously, that when 
star players are rumored to be on the block or are definitely on the block, you have to talk about them, and that's obviously Anthony Davis. This is an interesting situation because, as everyone knows by now or should know by now, the Celtics cannot trade for him until the summer, given that they already traded for Kyrie Irving, who is on the uh, designated player uh, after a rookie extension. I believe that's what it is. Um, But there was the reports that Anthony Davis and his dad, you know, both don't want to play for Boston and it would only be a rental. And in, in that case, that has to, in my opinion, that has to take Jason Tatum off the table. If you if you know he's going to be a rental, you just can't trade Tatum in that deal. In that case, that makes the Celtics offer not as great. You know, everyone's like, oh, the Celtics can beat any offer. And they can if Tatum's mm-hmm. on the table. But if he's not, you're looking at a Jalen Brown, a Marcus Smart. They've got a bunch of picks that can be helpful. But it's not like this overwhelming, like, oh, my God, this is the best deal they can get. You know, you have to wait. Uh, and meanwhile, they've got their own issues with Kyrie because every single day it, may, it seems like Kyrie's making these comments, more and more comments that are like, you know, kind of disturbing if you're like a Celtics fan. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's tough. I, I mean, we're not sure because what do you trade if you know he's going to be a rental and how do you prepare to make a trade for him if you don't know what Kyrie's situation is going to be? Say on the draft on draft night, you're trying to prepare a trade for AD and you say, Kyrie, are you sticking around? He says, I don't know. You know, I can't tell you that. What do you do? Well, see, for me, that's what I'm saying. First off, to, to have to understand the angst that Boston's going through, as a Boston fan, it couldn't be me. I just want to point <laughs> that out. Um, secondly, that's an interesting question. I mean, aside from a treasure trove of picks, and I mean, and even that, it's not really a treasure trove because you're not going to really put your best ones out there. Um, I know, don't they have that Memphis pick? They have it. It's top eight up? protected this year, which means the Grizzlies are going to keep it this year. I think it's top yeah. six protected the next year. I, I'm not sure exactly what it is. I'll, I'll look yeah, it up while you. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I mean, I would I would dangle some picks and and maybe one of those players, and I don't think that's going to do it. Although, to be honest, with the, what the Lakers offered today, they offered they offered uh, what's no, his name? Nothing? They offered they offered nothing. I mean, their main guy <laughs> that they offered was. Uh, when I saw Rajon Rondo and Mike, was it Michael Beasley in the deal? Yeah, I think Rajon so. Rondo, Michael Beasley, and then Kyle Kuzma and a pick. Or, or I'm saying, are you serious? Come on now, Magic. That's the way to get. That's like you know how you used to play 2K and you put up a horrible offer. And I guess it was in free agency, but you put up an offer and it was so bad that not only did they refuse to take your offer, but they also refused to negotiate you with you again. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, come on now, you're not gonna headline around Rondo, who they already had last year. And, and and Beasley, or no, it wasn't Beasley, it was Lance Stevenson, and a couple of picks. That's not how that works. So, I mean, with that being said, I, I said all that to say that Boston may not have to put that much of an offer up if LA's going to put stuff up like that. I would be more concerned, and I'm sure we're going to get to that in a second, with Toronto and with Denver and, and sneaky teams like that. But you're right. If, if you don't have a guarantee to stay, Kyrie is just living in drama land, and you know, you're not going to put Tatum in there. Why would I, as Dell Demps, have any reason to grab that that's like a poop platter i mean some picks that might or might not pan out i'm not getting your best because we all know that i don't have the leverage and then also i mean marcus smart is not going to headline any trade for me at all um jalen brown's had such a down year this year i mean he's bouncing back and, and, and playing well now this latter half of the season so far but no he's not going to be my best player in that trade either so i don't know there's a lot of nuance there but if i'm dell dems I, I don't see the reason i don't see the reason i have to make a deal for him you know, maybe you either give them, you know, Pascal Siakam or another dark horse team, or maybe the Lakers decide to uh, come to their senses and bust the barn for them. The, I mean, the Lakers, because none of their players have really stepped it up this year. I mean, Lonzo's you know struggled with injuries and still can't shoot. 
you know, Kuzma Brandon is... Ingram, 36 points. <laughs> yeah, I was going around on Twitter a lot. Uh, I know. It's, it's... Because none of them, you know, truly have showcased, like, oh my god, this guy is going to be an all-star for sure potential, um, mm-hmm. which are very few young players in the league. But, you know, Tatum, you watch, he's like, yeah, he's going to be an all-star. Like, other players, like, I, I watch Jamal Murray, I'm like, you know what? in like five years or so, like this guy is probably going to be an all-star. Um, if not like a 23, 24, 25 points per game score. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because of that, the Lakers package, you know, obviously what the one they offered is, I mean, that's just not even, like don't even bother with that. That's just like a joke. Um, but they would have to compile basically, in my opinion, all of their young players and a first-round pick or two to really make it like a, a really good offer and an offer that can beat the Celtics offer that doesn't have Tatum on the board. I think any offer with Tatum on the table is the one that the, that the Pelicans should take. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen because AD is not going to stay there. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, you brought up the kind of dark horse teams. I mean, I thought the Knicks trying to trade for him, which apparently they did, they reportedly did call and offer Porzingis. Um, but you know, the Pelicans, I guess they said they weren't interested and they probably wanted that unprotected Nick's pick this year, which could be number one. Um, <laughs> yep, Nick's like, uh uh-uh, man, we'd be fine for Zion. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, AD had did have the Knicks or New York, I should say, as a team he would kind of stick around with, so that kind of changes things. And who knows, maybe they do end up getting the number one overall pick. They get this wink-wink from Kevin Durant, and they trade that pick for AD, and they could have the assets given Dennis Smith Jr., the two firsts from Dallas, their own pick this year, Neil Aquina. They can have the assets this summer, if they have, if they know a star is coming, they can trade some of those assets for AD and pair that up. That is something that could happen. Um, but yeah, like you said, basically, is there a dark horse team that can come out of nowhere with a great package? But the caveat is that for basically any team that would do that, it would be a rental. So it makes more sense for a team like the Raptors because they're already in the situation where they've got to have a great season. Otherwise, Kawhi is probably leaving. And if Kawhi leaves, it's going to be a rebuild. So why not go you know, even more in than they already are? Obviously, they're already a great team. Um, you know, They're second in the East. They've won basically 70% of their games. And that's with Kawhi missing a good amount of time. But why not go in fully? And you know, the problem is that if you go in fully and Kawhi leaves – and then AD leaves the following year, you've traded your young players that would have been the featured part of the rebuild. You've already traded them for AD, in which case the rebuild becomes tougher. The other hand is that you could probably flip AD again the following season if you know he's not going to stick around and if Kawhi had already left and try and get a couple more assets that way. Um, So you mentioned that Pascal Siakam would be better than anybody the Lakers could offer. Um, They don't have their pick this year because they traded that in the deal for Kawhi. Um, but they've got other players, DeLon Wright, OG Ananobi, that could make an interesting deal. Valanchunas, if the if the Pelicans are looking to stay competitive, which given their reports that they don't want to trade Holiday, could be a sign. Um, you know, the Nuggets, I mean, I don't think they're going to do it. I think that, you know, they got things are going too well for them. I mean, they're first in the West, and, you know, you don't want to break that up for something that's probably going to be a rental. I don't really see AD sticking around. I mean, my God, you want to talk about fascinating? AD and Jokic would probably be the most fascinating Front court pairing, I can ever, I could ever think of. I mean, just given their skill sets, yeah. um, that would be ridiculous. But you have to, you have to give up Jamal Murray in that deal. Um, and you know, if they, if they could do the deal without giving up Murray, which would probably be Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., Juancho Hernan Gomez, a first round pick, um, or you could do a deal where you include Paul Millsap and then subsequently also take on Solomon Hill. If you can, mm-hmm. if you can somehow do the deal without giving up Murray. I'm not saying I would pull the trigger, but man, I would I would think long and hard. 
I'm, I would think about that long and hard. I mean, Murray, AD, Jokic, role players is, you know, top two in the West, mm-hmm. maybe the best if the Warriors break up this summer or, or at least if KD leaves. So that's fascinating. And the other one that people have been talking around or, or throwing around is, is the Sixers, you know, Simmons for date for AD, some kind of deal centered around those two. Simmons would be the best player the Pelicans could get in an AD trade. Um, but again, mm-hmm. Sixers, they just made them deal with Butler. Do they want to mm-hmm. shake it up again? Is AD going to stay? You know, there's so many complications Plus. to any of these teams. There's that clutch factor, and I don't mean it yeah. like that. You know exactly <laughs> where I'm coming from with that. That clutch angle is something to consider. No, I, I agree with you. Denver will be sneaky, especially if those role players play like they did against Houston um, yesterday. Jeez Louise. You know, that was that was telling for Malik Beasley, Monte Morris, you know, some other players they have. But I, as much – I mean, the Toronto one is the one I like to focus on because there is such tremendous, like, sink or swim potential there that is, I just find very fascinating. Uh, and you're right. If, if it works out well, imagine that, you know having those guys there. And if not, you're going to see AD, you know, be stuck on a team. He's probably going to leave a uh, Kawhi, go to LA. You're going to see Pascal Siakam and OG and Anobi on like the most underrated duo of the 21 and 61 New Orleans Pelicans next year. <laughs> you know, it, you're right. It, it's, it's so many ways. In fact, the dark horse teams are, are, are even more interesting, but watch, you're probably going to trade like Phoenix or something. <laughs> yeah. Not, no, that's one team. That's <laughs> definitely Warren, not happening. Josh Jackson in like a second, first round pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, it's pretty clear to me that the Dark Horse teams, well, part of the fun about analyzing that is that we can come up with, like, packages that aren't being reported on. Like, everyone knows, like, what the Lakers would theoretically offer in a fair deal for them. Everyone knows, you know, Tatum is the Celtics' best asset, and the Knicks, you know, had Porzingis, but now they don't. But these Dark Horse teams, you can kind of create your own trades, which is kind of fun. Um, and, you know, it's funny, like, AD, first of all, but before I forget, I, I, I looked it up. The Celtics have, um, it's... The Memphis Grizzlies pick is one through eight projected this year, which means the Grizzlies are going to keep it because they're they're really stinking it up. Oh, they know they're trash. Um, they know they're trash. Next year, it's projected one through six. So if the Grizzlies are that bad again, they'll keep it in twenty twenty, and then in twenty twenty one, it is unprotected. So that is that is their most you know valuable draft pick asset that they've got right now. Um, considering you know, which we'll probably get to later in the episode, what the Grizzlies could be doing at the deadline um, over the next season or so, but. Yeah, the Raptors, and, and this goes back to AD. I mean, didn't he make those comments like, I just want to win? Um, you know, I'm not really focused on money and, and kind of market. But it's funny that his, all his top, well, he's, he's, the two teams he would stick around with are the Lakers and the Knicks, apparently. And if you go to the Raptors, I mean, if they can make the trade where they keep, you know, Lowry, AD, Kawhi, maybe an Ibaka, um, you know, a Danny Green, like that is, that, is the, that is the favorite in the Eastern Conference, you know, by far, in my opinion. And that's a team that can compete with the Warriors. So they'll be doing plenty of winning. So if that's really his priority, you know, that's an opportunity for him to go there. And obviously, it'll be tough for the Raptors to really pull a trigger on, on a huge deal. But they were prepared to already rebuild. They made the deal for Kawhi, thinking if we make the finals, we can convince him. Hopefully, if not, we'll rebuild. Why not just, like, take the next step? I mean, it's, it's really bold, but you might as well do it. Yeah, I mean, what else do you have to lose at this point? You're kind of already where you need to be. I mean, not already where you need to be. You're kind of already where it's like the end game. There you go. Like like that little uh, <laughs> little uh, analogy I use there. But at this point, you got to do something. I mean, and it's not beneficial to just kind of stay static. I mean, we already talked about AD in the future, whether you're going to sit out the rest of the game, it's make zero sense, or yada, yada, yada. You know, what's going to happen? Is he going to be traded? I really am hoping and, and think that there's a good chance. And I want to ask you this first. What are the chances, if, if you want to put a percentage on it, that he is traded by this deadline? 
because it's just I mean they already took him off the the they already they they seem like they want to cut free from him if cutting him off of the um the opening video is any indication they already did that and then you have him there just to create more awkwardness and more questions and more tension uh, I I just don't see it and then you're gonna sit him out the rest of the year. Well, that's the thing. If he's not traded, it's in their best. First of all, it's in their best interest at this point to sit him out for the rest of the year, regardless. Because one, if he gets hurt, it can hurt his trade value. Two, you know, they're at this point where they're probably, you know, they're gonna look. They can tank hard and get, you know, a top seven pick. Maybe their own pick could be top seven, which is, you know, pretty valuable. I know this draft. I don't follow the draft class that much, but I know it's top heavy. So you want to be at the, you want to be at that top. Um, so th- that would make it awkward. I still think it's low though, only because. Unless the Lakers, I mean, unless the Pelicans somehow get desperate, and all indications are is that they're not desperate to trade him. I mean, the Lakers could eventually buy like deadline day, just throw all the young guys together with a first round pick um, and whatever salary filler is necessary, and throw that you know at Dell Demps and the Pelicans on deadline day. But all indications are is that the Pelicans aren't too desperate to make the deal and, and cave for that. Um, but again, they might say, "Well, we're not going to get Jason Tatum because AD is not going to stay in, in Boston." So. Now it's now it's between comparing the Lakers' offer, which again for a fair deal I think would be all their young players and like a first round pick, versus what the Celtics could offer, which would be, you know, in the summer, which would be maybe like the Memphis pick, Jalen Brown, Smart. Um, you know, that's kind of what the the headlining pieces would be, I guess, if Tatum's off the board. But will they even make that deal because they have no idea what's going on with Kyrie, um, especially on draft night? So it's gonna be. This is re- I I do not envy. Dell Demps and the Pelicans right now in terms of navigating these offers in the next, you know, four months or so of, of navigating this whole AD situation. Oh, I don't envy Dell Demps at all, being that I think he's probably going to lose his job at the end of the year. I mean, <laughs> yeah, depending on what he makes, I don't envy that at all. I'm <laughs> the newly unemployed. But no, just to shout out, I have to just read this back just for comedy's sake. This was the official trade. We already probably knew this, but just for the sake of the listeners, the Lakers' first offer to the Pelicans for AD today was Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Ross Rondo, Michael Beasley, and one first-round pick. Like, boy, you know you're going to have to dump all your young guys and several first-round picks to make a play at, at at Anthony Davis. I mean, Rondo and Beasley and Stevenson might be the only guys you have left. <laughs> exactly. I, I just – I really think that's hilarious. Also, and this is just another thing to go back to Lakers thing one last time to close out. Do you think it's significant that Contavious Caldwell-Pope was not involved in those offers? Yeah, I mean, they, it's funny because he, he actually is like one of those salaries that, that would be really helpful in, in matching salaries in, in kind of any deal, but he's got that no-trade clause, so he can basically veto any trade that he wants, and obviously he's got the same agent as LeBron and AD. Um, it's it's funny. I thought that I thought his contract was basically going to be there, you know, for, for Rich for um, Rich Paul to tell to convince him to, to be salary matching for any deal um, to get LeBron the star, but it, it's weird. It is interesting, I think. Yeah, it's something to consider. I mean, and it, I mean, there's a whole another way that conversation go as far as you know the clutch agency and all these different you know where these players make you know like is these moves good for the good of the franchise, good of the team? Because all these moving parts, interesting to consider. But I thought that was something I wanted to ask you about. So, yeah, I mean, <sighs> I'm trying to look at the standings quickly. I'm going through all these teams and thinking of any other dark horses, and I really don't see any. I mean, people have thrown out the Clippers because you know they're also oh. they're also in LA. If people didn't know that. Um, but, <laughs> what? But they, I mean, really any Clippers offer has to start with uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, and even then, it's got to include him. It's got to include a pick. It's got to include, you know, their their veteran. I mean, also what we haven't actually mentioned yet is what 
are the Pelicans focused on getting? Are they focused on staying somewhat competitive, like fo- like fighting for the eight seed? Are they really focused on bottoming out, which apparently it doesn't seem like it. That they're obviously they're willing to trade Miritich and Randall. Apparently, have been on the block, but they're not willing to trade Drew Holiday, which you know kind of contradicts each other, um, especially because <laughs> Holiday could get you some pretty decent assets the way he's playing this year. Um, but if they're focused on veterans. I mean, veterans and, like, at least one or two nice young players or assets. The Clippers have got so many veterans, and they've got, you know, a Gilgus Alexander or a draft pick now. I don't know if they would that give up all true. that, but it's 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 something there. I mean, if if the Pelicans are mainly focused on veterans, the Clippers are a great option. If they're mainly focused on, on picks and young players, the Clippers are not. But we haven't even discussed what the Pelicans could be looking for because really no one knows, I guess. Mm-hmm. No, and they have enough. They have enough veterans as well um, in New Orleans, at least. That, I mean, not New Orleans, in Los Angeles, at least, that you can trade like two or three of them and still not negatively impact your team. You know what I mean? In that in that way, because they have so many. So that is something interesting. And I think just by them keeping Drew, um, Drew Holiday, that they are planning on being um, at least competitive and getting some veterans. That would make the most sense to me because. I don't think New Orleans is a place where you're going to field a, a horrible lineup on purpose. I mean, looking back on their real before, even when they had a chance to fully rebuild, they wanted to opt with the young veteran route of Eric Gordon and Tyreek Evans back then. So maybe it's just not in this current regime's um, like tendency to do a full-scale draft pick rebuild that way and then want to get some you know young assets or at least some um, competent players to kind of fast-track their uh, return to what? Uh, uh, well, mediocrity i mean they've never been great you know what i mean like i don't know yeah it's gonna be tough maybe what they'll end up doing is they they keep holiday for now and then like this time next year they're realizing all right well we're bad even with drew so let's just mm-hmm. trade him while he's still got another year left on his deal um it could be one of those situations where like the Cavs when lebron first left it's like we want we're still gonna be fine without you and then you know we stink so now we're gonna embrace like now this year they're embracing how much they stink um that's <laughs> that's probably i mean they a lot of these teams, you know, definitely when they have a star leave and, and it's and sometimes when a star, you know, demands a trade, it's like, okay, like, we'll trade you, we'll get all this nice return for you, and we're going to be fine. Oh, wait, six months later, we realize we are not good without you because you're the best player and a top five player in the league, um, and now we've got to completely tear it down. But at least they're looking for offers for Miritich and Randall and other guys on the team. Um, yeah, so let, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's end it there because um, we've got a pretty interesting conversation coming up about other trades around the league, just general perspective that we want to see um, happen at this year's deadline. And uh, we will be right back with that segment. All right, y'all, welcome back. So joining me and Eric to talk NBA trades is my good buddy. Um, you know him from the NBA front office show, Keith Smith. You know him from the bench mob, Mr. Con Arell. How you doing, Con? I'm doing great, man. We just I came in hotter with the start of the call. I, I know. <laughs> you know the intros are I'm so rusty. To, <laughs> I, I'm trying to get back that energy, but like it's 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 not the same when you first meet. It, it really isn't exactly. I'm just audience. I this dude in the bench mob. I've been all over on the Twitter and the DMs. Like, dude, I got to listen to your stuff. <laughs> it, when we first met, it was a lot more electric. But guess what? We're here now, and uh, we're here to talk some some talk. So uh, some trades. So um, <laughs> Con, what I guess just a brief little intro here. What are you looking forward to going into this trade deadline? Like maybe a couple teams that you're interested in seeing some moves happen. Well, I think before we get into just the teams around the league, I mean. The situation with AD is having is tying up yeah. everyone's phones right now because 
there's 29 other teams, and I bet you 25 think they have a shot at AD somehow. Um, and it's just how creative you get with it. Uh, like, on, we just did a bunch of trades on the bench mob, and we end up with a three-team deal. Um, don't want to spoil, but like Beal was moving around and like the Wizards could hop in, Detroit could hop in, maybe send Blake Griffin to a team that really needs him. And then you send some of the like, because there's a lot of assets being asked for for Anthony Davis, like Kuzma, Brandon Hart, I mean, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart and Lonzo. And then you go to Toronto, you got Siakam, OGN, Nobi, two firsts. You got the New York Knicks who could just give all of their young guys and two, three to four first round picks in a package. You also have the Celtics who might <laughs> offer Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So this decision is tying up the entire league and the entire trade market. Um, there might be some fringe moves that might happen along the way, but nothing's really going to start until the first domino falls or if it's clear that it's really not going to fall. True, and me, me and Eric, I were actually just having a, a great conversation on that as well, what teams would be more likely to kind of land Anthony Davis, and I was of the opinion that he would be moved by the trade deadline. I thought it would be just a little bit too messy, and that New Orleans clearly wants to just move on, um, rather than sit him out the rest of the year heading into the summer. Um, and Eric, me, we had a great dialogue on that, but what says you to that? Do you really think there's a good chance that Davis is moved? You did just mention he's probably the first piece of this convoluted puzzle. Oh, did you order me? My bad. I thought you went to Eric. Oh, oh, my fault. No, no, I, I was mentioning Eric. Anyone cop on that? <laughs> so, okay, could you just? So, do you think? Okay, do you think that um, Anthony Davis will be moved by this trade deadline? That's what I'm awful. Oh, I mean, I think that the offers are going to become super competitive this trade deadline, and all it takes really is for the Pelicans to not think that the Celtics' offer is the best one. If the moment that happens, there is no reason to wait. Um, until this summer because all of the expiring deals that can be thrown in trades and like all the flexibility you have with the three-team deals right now with all the teams trying to clear cap space or acquire uh, expiring salary and do some stuff like there's a lot more contracts available to trade whereas in the free agency people need to sign contracts when you sign you can't get traded right away and just the whole market shifts and so right now if the package they want isn't coming from Boston there is no advantage for the Pelicans to wait they've already removed him from the billboards and the videos and the hype videos yeah. and everything, you know? So, like, they've already moved on. Uh, it's just a matter of, okay, do we need to move on from the actual player and paying him and him, play, like, being in our locker room and yada yada just for Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown? Maybe not. Um, and that's really the decision that's going to decide that. Yeah, I mean, and and one thing that is so interesting about this is the reporting that, AD, you know, wouldn't stick around in Boston, and that would basically be a rental. And even his dad said he doesn't want him playing there because of the loyalty things with with IT. Um, and in that case, you know, that's going to change the Celtics' offer because if they know that it's just going to be a rental, they're probably going to, you know, their offer is going to be a little bit worse than what their best could be. In which case, it makes it even easier for the Pelicans to sit back and say, "Well, if AD's not going to stay there, they're probably not going to offer us this great package of Tatum plus Brown and maybe even picks. Maybe it's just one of those guys and, and one pick, or you know, it's just it's going to be a, probably be a worse offer at that point. In which case, they can sit here at the deadline with that information and and then be like, "All right, you know, we don't really have to wait around for the Celtics because we don't think the offer is going to be that good now." Um, what else can you do, Lakers? What else can you do, Raptors? What else can you do for us, you know, any other team that thinks they can kind of enter this market? So that reporting that just came out like a day or two ago could really shake up and probably increase the chances of AD being traded at the deadline. Um, 
One thing, can I push back a little bit on the Boston Celtics not offering everything they could possibly offer because of this, uh, you know, distrust that he might feel with Anthony Davis? Like, I don't really see that being an issue uh, personally because if you're winning a championship and if, if it's you, Kyrie, Hayward, Horford, and like that whole squad and you go and win a championship, I don't think Anthony Davis is really going to care whether or not um, that the Danny Ainge was faithful to Isaiah Thomas. I think he's going to be looking at his ring and be like, "Damn, I want another. I want another one." <laughs> right? That's what he. That's what he's chasing. So if he achieves it with Boston, he knows he can get that. And at, at that point, it's about more championships. He's already getting all the money that he is comfortable with since he's declining the amount of money that he is by not signing the extension with the Pelicans. So I, I want to push back a little bit because the Celtics with Kyrie are a legit championship contender especially when kd if he leaves the warriors then it's an open field that's actually funny uh sorry corbin before you go i mean that's funny because i literally almost said the exact same thing like 10 minutes ago when talking about the (laughs) raptors trading for him because ad had those comments where he was like yeah i'm focused on winning and i don't really care about market and money well if you go to the raptors um obviously their package can be up for interpretation but they're going to obviously have Kawhi and lowry and ad you know they're going to be doing a lot of winning um at least this year and if they can get Kawhi to stick around that's a team that's a team that's going to do a lot of winning next year and at that point you know like the warriors could be broken up or just get weaker and, and things like that or other teams in the east get weaker maybe the celtics aren't as strong if, if Kyrie leaves that's also a tough thing that's going to factor into the celtics making a play for ad um is that the fact that they might not know what the plan what Kyrie's plan is when they're preparing to, to make the offer for AD, like maybe around draft night or something like that. Um, but these teams that can trade for AD, even though he hasn't said he would stay with them, but they can trade for him knowing if we get you, you're going to do a whole lot of winning here. And we think that'll convince you. And also we've got a nice city and you'll have some good teammates or some, something like that. But there are teams out there that can definitely feel confident in their chances to win, um, whether either it's make it to the finals or win a championship over the next two seasons that they can kind of convince themselves to make the trade for AD, even if it's not a surefire surefire thing that he's going to stick around. See, I think that the Lakers have the Pelicans right where they want them. Uh, They love them to sleep with uh, a poo-poo platter offer today, and (laughs) I think it only gets better. I mean, you start slow, you just tangle Lonzo, Kuzma, throw in Beasley and Rondo, you know, because who cares that the Pelicans already had Rondo last year? You just mess with them again, and only one first-round pick, and then you build up to it. Okay. No, kidding aside, (laughs) I really think that, and I guess this is a question for both of you. I kind of already alluded to it with Eric, but, um, with if the Lakers did put all their young guys out there, obviously Boston potentially has a better offer. Um, Denver's a sneaky team. The Raptors are a sneaky team, but let's say the Lakers put out um, Lonzo, Kuzma, Ingram, you know, Josh Hart or, or, or Zubach and like, let's say two first round picks. Do the Pelicans take that or not? Or do you, would you take that if you were Adele Dems? Just to say, hey, clean sweep, let's do it right now. Personally, I mean, uh-huh. I, I would. Um, if I'm the Pelicans, I think if you get all four young guys, so they're saying Ingram, Hart, Kuzma, and Lonzo. All and the way, a, yes, sir. And a first round pick, if not two. Obvi- like, I think even with just one first round pick, that is most likely 
the best package because I mean I believed in this uh, Lakers core as like a young core without LeBron I thought they would eventually get to a place where they they're competitive once all their players are in their primes we forget sometimes that these guys are all in their second and third years and four to five years of playing and getting better actually matters I mean the Warriors weren't the Warriors until Steph was like 25 26 and hit his prime and Clay also hit his prime and KD is 20 like so looking at 22 to 23 year old players when they're all 28 to 31 they are going to be the generation leading this so with the combination of these players on the lakers i thought they could reach pretty high heights um all in their prime so just taking that potential and bringing it over to new orleans i think that's a that's a pretty decent plan that i don't see any other team really having uh to match personally i this is such a tough question um if there's any if they have, if the Pelicans have any intel or, or reason to believe that Tatum will be on the table, will be on the table, I would wait for for Tatum over the even over that Lakers package. Um, obviously, Tatum is one player versus a, com- a a committee approach that they would be getting by the from the Lakers. Um, it's just because the Lakers young guys, and I still really believe in in Lonzo quite a bit. Um, I, I like Josh Hart, but he's kind of more of like a a, a young guy who's going to help you know, as a role player, three and D kind of skill set. Um, Kuzma can provide some scoring. Ingram is this, you know, kind of this weird guy where he needs the ball in his hands and is, you know, a limited shooter. I think these guys, they've shown flashes. They have the ability to put up numbers, that's for sure. But do any of them really have true all-star potential? Like you look at them and you watch them and you say, all right, this guy's definitely going to be an all-star. Um, and that's something that's a little bit concerning, you know, when you're looking for at least trying to get one of those types of players in a return for AD. Obviously, you know, Tatum, I think, is that guy. I think I think Jamal Murray is that guy. Um, there aren't many, obviously, out there that are young, and you, you look at them like, this guy's going to be an all-star. But if there's any reason to believe that Tatum will be on the table, um, I would I would probably hold off from taking that Lakers package. If, I, if they hear that Tatum's not going to be on the table – you know, getting all the young Lakers young players, and if they do get two first round picks, it's it's hard to resist, especially with the Knicks kind of maybe out of the running for the time being until the summer. Um, maybe the other teams that we're talking about, Raptors, Nuggets, don't really want to get into it or don't want to change you know shake things up that much. If the Lakers package is basically one of the few available at the deadline, and it's that package that Corbin proposed, you know, then it's really going to be tough to, to pass up. Yeah, I mean, personally, I look at D'Angelo Russell this year and then think of his second year and what people thought his potential was going to be. And anyone who thought that he's going to be an all-star would have gotten laughed at and ridic- and like, are you serious? Like, he hasn't done anything in his first two years and yada, 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 yada. I think that Jalen Brown is a great slasher in getting to the rim. He His playmaking does need some work. Jason Tatum also, his playmaking needs some work. Whereas the strengths of Ingram and Ball are the playmaking. I think the shot can develop. I think Lonzo's free throw shooting is a problem. But, I mean, it's his second year. And I think there's just... I think he can fix that if he's shooting over 35% from three, is what I'm saying. And then Ingram, when he makes plays or decides to make plays and not uh, have tunnel vision and take it to the rim with four defenders or take like a pull-up long two contested... When he actually decides to pass and playmake and take the right shots, he looks amazing. And I think that it's all about channeling the good, which is all-star potential for both Lonzo and Ingram personally, and getting rid of the things you do not so well. Um, and I think I take the playmaking package over the scoring and athletic athleticism package, I guess, um, in the Lakers over the Celtics. 
Interesting. I, I, that's interesting. I mean, I think that also what's tough to do about this is knowing what they're going to do with a guy like Drew Holiday, who they say they ha- aren't going to trade for the time being, but probably next year when they stink, might trade him for you know more young assets. In that case, if they at that point have the, all the Yank- Lakers young guys, then they can kind of look for more shooting and scoring from, from a, maybe a Drew Holiday trade. Or, you know, they're probably going to trade Miritich this year. Maybe they trade Randall or something like that. Um, so it's they have so many moving pieces on this Pelicans team um, who are getting killed by the Spurs right now. Um, just looking at box scores. And um, <laughs> so they have so many moving pieces that, like, they, they could be negotiating an AD deal before or after or during negotiating a Miritich deal or a Randall deal um, or something like that, in which case they would know what they'd be getting in other deals so then they can build up a better returning package overall for all the players they trade away at this deadline if they move on from AD and, you know, Miritich and Randall or other, you know, role players on their team. True, true. I, I definitely agree with all of that. That's It's, it's going to be something to look at moving forward, especially, what, trade deadline not even five days away. But speaking of that, real quick, running through before we go to some other teams, uh, Con, what did you think about the Mavericks next year? I know you already talked about this at I know you did a, a trade reaction piece on uh, – or trade reaction podcast with the, the NBA front office show, but yes, yes. who do you who do you think got the better of of that in your opinion? Like I early think, returns, I think both teams accomplished their goal um, in the trade because the Knicks wanted to free up cap space. They were kind of tired of Porzingis's antics. Plus, they weren't going to be able to clear up all of that cap space and also get a young player with a high potential in Dennis Smith Jr. in the same package um, without including a player like Porzingis. Because if you think about it, they cleared up Tim Hardaway's $18 million, They cleared up Courtney Lee's $18 million, and then also got a super high upside player in Dennis Smith Jr. Plus, they got two first-round picks from Dallas. So if you look at it from the New York perspective, plus they opened up two max cap slots, <laughs> or they gathered up the assets to be able to put forth a competitive AD trade. Like, if they hit DSJ... Um, Knox, Mitchell Robinson, and four firsts, like that's competitive with any deal out there. So they created a lot of flexibility. Now, if you come to the Mavs side, the Mavs got a player where when he was playing, people were already putting in him putting him in top twenty lists. And this guy's twenty-three years old and also seven three and can hit hit the three at a decent rate he can post up he can score in the mid-range he can defend the rim he literally can do everything you want at 7-3 and he's only 23 so that's why you have to give up two first round picks to get this guy you have him for control since he's restricted and i don't believe really the fact that he's not gonna sign the extension that's a like i have no basis for that i just think that if you like the Mavs, if you like luka Doncic and rick carlisle who are all great at what they do and you get a max deal when you're coming off of an ACL tear and you haven't even played the season before so you don't know how you feel coming back I think it's hard to turn down a maximum deal if you're Porzingis so both teams came out pretty solid it just depends on how they move forward from these moves I get that do you think as far as um the ancillary pieces in the deal and I was a little more high on them when talking with Eric beforehand about this as far as Tim Hardaway Jr. being in Dallas uh Trey Burke uh, Courtney Lee, and yes, they were brought on mostly for salary purposes and, and kind of getting rid of that to, to take on Porzingis, but I actually am optimistic of their fit in Dallas, uh, particularly I think Trey Burke, you know, Carlisle runs those three-guard sets, I think Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to get some run, and Courtney Lee's the type of player where his attributes, I think, will be maximized in Dallas. Is that, you know, is that maybe a little um, overly optimistic on my behalf, or, or do you really think there's something in play with that? No, for me, I just forgot to mention the other pieces of the Mavs side of the deal because oh, no. <laughs> I because because I totally agree with everything you just said. I think Rick Carlisle is a coach that maximizes the talent of every player and always 
has a player play above what we thought they were capable of. I mean, look at what J.J. Barea's career has become with uh, Rick Carlisle. Dorian Finney-Smith is becoming a player. DeAndre disappointed, but he's really better at getting the young players uh, to play really well if they kind of follow his lead. So I think Hardaway Jr. is a pretty solid talent. I think his talent is worth um, his contract if channeled correctly. And I think Rick Rick Carlisle is the coach to be able to do that. I think Courtney Lee could at least give you what Wes Matthews has been giving you. If you assume that Wes Matthews is playing as good as he was with Carlisle and expect a small bump from Courtney Lee because of this, it's not that crazy to think that Courtney Lee is going to give you exactly what uh, Wes Matthews was giving. So I think in that sense, they might have even gained gained depth on the wing, um, but their big depth is a little bit, it's struggling right now because of measury starting and all that. No, I definitely understand. Um, All right. Yeah. I think we should get to some other teams around the league. Obviously, you know, there might not be that many moves, but I think there's a lot of things that we probably want to see teams do and at least try to do. Um, one of those things for me, and it's probably the same for Corbin as well, is is the Thunder trading for some kind of shooter um, because they need some spacing. They need some guy who can just come in and just knock down a bunch of threes. And the good thing about the Thunder is that they have enough defenders to put around a player that basically only provides shooting, like your Wayne Ellingtons, you know, Troy Daniels, if you want to go the cheaper option, um, though Ellington could be probably had for cheap um but they, they don't need to worry about the defensive end like oh this guy can't play any defense well he might he's probably going to start alongside a paul george a steven adams a jeremy grant a more engaged uh westbrook on, on the defensive end um because the thunder right now are 20th in both three pointers attempted and three point percentage last time i checked which is two days ago um so i, I mean i mentioned wayne ellington Troy Daniels, I mean, I don't know if Reggie Bullock would be available, but he would be, you know, a pretty ideal fit in terms of having some size um, and can kind of slot in at that, at that two-guard position. But I really – this Thunder team, you look at them, they've got a great defense. You know, they're third in the West. Um, and yet it feels like they just need a little bit more shooting to open up their offense come playoff time and not be too easy to defend. You know, obviously Paul George has been insane. Westbrook really can't hit a shot at all. Um, but – I would feel so good about their chances to make it to the, the conference finals if they added one really good knockdown shooter. That's tough to do, though. <laughs> yeah, given, especially know, given their financial situation, too. You know, it depends on, like, what you're willing to give up on for uh, – or what you're willing to take on for Andre Roberson and what you're like what is actually being offered. Because I could see a team maybe that is, like – kind of gave up on competing this year but still wants a competitive roster next year to maybe move some salary to bring on Andre Roberson as a really solid wing defender um, and in return maybe give the Thunder the shooting the the shooter that you're kind of referring to um, that team I don't know who that is and I'm kind of scurrying through my cap sheets here to try to maybe find a player but I think that's the kind of route the Thunder could take yeah see I'm, I'm gaming speaking of everyone just mentioning how Game was on that getting a shooter. I was really thinking Terrence Ross from Orlando, and I mean, yes, yes, you know, yes. that'd be a great fit for me. Or that'd be a great fit for me. <laughs> I think it'd be a great fit. I mean, finance wise, uh, what? Let's say Abrinas is in play. I know you mentioned um, Andre Roberson. Do you think that? I mean, him being injured and everything, obviously. But do you think that he'd even be available? Because it seems like the Thunder kind of hinge on him kind of returning to form. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm all for. It. I'm just curious. It's it's just a matter of do you want to see what your team looks like with a shooter or do you trust that you're good enough to beat the Warriors this year? Or maybe mm-hmm. you just accept that you're not going to win this year and then play for next year. And next year, Andre Robertson could be a key part of your team and just keep him because 
you want to see what you have, especially with Terrence Ferguson and Diallo playing so well there this year, that next year you really want to see how they're developing. And if Terrence Ferguson could become a solid contributor on a contending team, if Diallo can give you solid minutes at the wing, um, these guys are surprise guys and you always need to hit, to hit on these picks um, to be able to make the kind of decisions that they're trying to make. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I was thinking rough math. I'm not really all that sound matching with Sally, but let's say you were to put, I would say in the Thunder rotation, Alex Sabrinas is kind of the odd man out. Um, Patrick Patterson has been playing a little bit better, but he's had a down year, actually just down since he's been in OKC. But if you were to like, let's say offer them in like a second round pick for um, Terrence Ross, do you think Orlando takes that? I think that's a, they need to think uh, really hard about it. <laughs> Terrence Ross, I mean, who knows if this is a contract year performance. Um, True. Also, you don't know if you want to sign him. Maybe you just want the Terrence Ross level performance in the contract year uh, for this year and not want to pay Andre Robeson $10 million because you're so far into the tax. That could be a thing, too, because then you clear up all that room that Terrence Ross makes um, and won't have to pay Andre Robeson and maybe try to maneuver around that. I think you, a second-round pick, the Magic second-round pick, is probably worth it. Um, but, again, it's it's tough. Andre Roberson, especially with his injury history, you don't even know what you're going to get back. I mean, that, that has to be concerning for the Thunder and any team that would you know potentially end up trading for him. I mean, Roberson's obviously just absurd defender. Like, he's just so good. Obviously, all-NBA level. But there is some kind of feeling of, you know, it's this feeling where they don't really need him that much. Obviously, it's great to have as many elite defenders like throwing a Roberson, a George, then coupling that with like a Grant and Adams. Like that's just unstoppable defensively. But they're already yeah. second defensively. They're actually tied the same defensive rating according to cleaning the glass with the Bucks. So they're basically tied for first defensively without Roberson playing. And you know what? What is he going to come back? Well, first of all, when is he going to come back from that injury? And then what is he going to look like? When he comes back, that has to be concerning for the Thunder, and they have to kind of be taking a look at this and seeing guys like Ferguson step up, um, and and just thinking to themselves, you know, do do we need Roberson more maybe next year, or do we need shooting more this year to make a run, or can we try, somehow get a guy, you know, and clear up some more financial situation, clear up the financial situation a little bit more now, um, given the fact that they've done so well defensively without Roberson, it's definitely something that they should be thinking about, just given their financial situation and. Um, how good they've been defensively without him. True, true. So, Eric, what other teams are you looking at that you think uh, should swing in this market? Since we, you know, Thunder is one I'm really high on. But what's what's your team, and then we can get to cons. Um, I'm looking at the Blazers. I, I really, I really, I'm not saying I really want to believe in them, like for the playoffs. <laughs> but I mean, for a team that have they haven't won a playoff game in the past two seasons, um, and it feels like. This is kind of like this one last opportunity for this current core to win at least one playoff series. Um, you know, again, I mentioned they haven't won a game since 2016, a playoff, a playoff game since 2016. So I feel like them using their first round pick, which they haven't really been willing to do um, recently, trading that for like a wing player or a guy like Nikola Mirotic, who should certainly you know, be on the market. Actually, it's already on the market, has been reported several times, um, would be so helpful for them because last year in the playoffs, we saw what the Pelicans did where they basically trapped and took the ball out of guy like Lillard and CJ's hands. And they just have no wings to really do anything. They didn't have enough shooting to really space the floor. So getting some kind of guy who can just really 
bomb threes away, I think would be so helpful for them. Put some more pressure on the defense come playoff time, not force everything on, on basically Lillard's shoulders and to a lesser extent CJ's shoulders. And, you know, Nurkic has been better for them this year, but I think they need a three or four who can, you know, obviously hit threes and do something with the ball um, that would really help them in the playoffs. So I'm really hoping that they would kind of quote-unquote go all in, which is basically them using a first-round pick, um, maybe whatever kind of low salaries. They don't really have much young talent that would probably, uh, you know, interest other teams. Um, but that's kind of what something, a team that I'm at least looking for to make a move. Yeah, I, that, that that's a team I'm looking at as well as the Magic. I really think, and Zach Lowe put a great piece out as far as maybe uh, – like uh, uh, Aaron Gordon or some of that sort. It doesn't really fit the type of player you're talking about just now, Eric, but a player, a team I think would be an interesting move. Yeah, that would be really interesting. I'm, I'm, I mean, yeah, it's a different fit, but, I mean, first of all, it would add a little bit more young talent to their team, um, and Gordon can do stuff with the ball, but, he, you know, he obviously he's not like a, a elite shooter, um, but... I mean, it's, it's, it, would be, it would be something. I'm, I'm looking for them to do something because they really haven't <laughs> done anything in, in, at the trade deadline in a while. Obviously, that summer of 2016 is really – it's still haunting them to this day, but that's unfortunate. <laughs> Colin, what about you? Any team that you're kind of anxious to see make a move uh, outside from Chicago? No. Yeah, I <laughs> – no, I'm definitely tuned, turned off from Chicago. Um, <laughs> Memphis, I think people are sleeping on how good Conley is. Um, and only looking at that $30 million figure. And when you get together some of the expirings available throughout the league and then throw in, like, Conley's really good. I don't, like, with Utah, if he was with uh, Donovan Mitchell and Gobert, who's having a monster season, um, that, with Kyle Korver and Jay Crowder, like, why not? Like, why not? Because you have Dante Exum and Derek Favors, who you could probably put together in a package. You already have Rubio, and he'll be backing up Conley. Um, instead of Rubio starting and Exum backing backing him up. And, I mean, Rubio has been hurt anyway. So, and then you got Gasol, who, I mean, that's also a super underrated piece that if gone anywhere, like, he's going to make a great impact. Like, Toronto, if they could kind of maybe do something with Valanchunas and someone, or I don't know if they want to do that. Or, like, Detroit maybe wants to get off Drummond's contract. I don't know. But Gasol is super interesting and Conley as well. And then... You have the bottom of the roster, which is Garrett Temple, uh, Jamichael Green, and a couple other guys. And it's just like they they have every single move possible to be able to make right now with this uh, cap situation. They really do, actually. They've got like these headlines. Justin Holiday too. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Justin no, Holiday. but they do. I mean, it, they, they've got – they can make pretty much any move. They can make the headlining move where it's like – they trade basically, you know, either former All Stars in Gasol or basically borderline All Stars in Conley. They can trade the role players that kind of those smaller moves that contenders like to make. Um, you know, a Temple, a Green, um, a Holiday, like you said, who they gave up two second round picks for, which is ugly. When we Corbin and I <laughs> analyzed it on the pod a couple, of, it's like a month and a half ago, maybe. It feels like a year. <laughs> um, so I don't know what they can get back in return for that. But this is the team that's like, I'm not saying they're going to. Um, define this deadline but they've got so many moves that they could make that i wouldn't be surprised if like the grizzlies are involved in like three trades by the time this deadline passes um for contenders trying to pick some some of their role players off and then one team trying to really trade for either one of conley or gasol 
they're also in the take my bad salary business as well with uh, Chandler Parsons <laughs> still still around. Oh my god, that's a whole that's a ro- the teams just play a rotating game of take my bad salary. Nothing was better <laughs> when uh, the Hornets and Nets basically did it this year this this summer with Dwight and Mozgov, and then the Hornets oh and Magic god. did it with Mozgov and Beyond. I mean that was just that was like a fun game. <laughs> Hey, some of the best highlights of the summer when things are getting slow. Let's play Take My Bad Salary, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, okay. And let, let's, I have one little thing, I guess, for you and, and, and Eric Hahn, but since Khan's special guest, I got to start first. Just throwing out some random names and just saying, hey, how likely they are that either, A, they get traded or not. Khan uh, first, I guess, Reggie Jackson. Right. I think he's going to stay. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, not, it's... not because Detroit wants it to happen. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely feel it. I, I guess take my Reggie Jackson's another one. Okay, um, Eric, uh, Darren, uh, Darren Collison. Oh God, I, I think he's. I think he's going to stay because I would have thought he would be included in a potential Conley deal if Oladipo didn't get hurt. Um, and I still think there's a way to, to convince themselves that they can still and should still make the trade for for for. Um, Conley and then have Oladipo come back and Conley still be there and that be your, your backcourt but I think given I mean just the reporting seems like they're not going to be interested in making that move and just going to kind of ride it out this year and then wait for Oladipo to recover um, so I would have said if you asked me before Oladipo got hurt I would have said he, he would have been traded um, and now I'm going to say he probably sticks around got you got you all right Con, uh Jermichael Green I think he is gone dependent on Conley and Gasol um, I think if they keep them there, he's ah no, he's gone. I'm gonna, he's gone. I'm gonna yeah, yeah, he's gone. <laughs> okay, it's official. Because <laughs> I, I think they could pull something decent for him. Yeah, I mean they definitely can. He's like their one asset. I think aside from Conley and Gasol, who's easily moved, and that teams could probably make a play for. Yeah, excuse my definitely. All right, one final one for both of you, uh, Eric Willie Colley Stein. Um, I'm going to say he sticks around. I know there's been kind of reports that the Kings are shopping him and probably don't feel that comfortable with paying him his next contract, but I don't know if I really see, you know, him being a part of any deal that they're going to take. The deal that I see the Kings doing would be taking on some salary to use their open cap space to get an asset. I don't really see them using Kali Stein and and something else to maybe get an upgrade. So I I see him sticking around, um, and then having them do a a brutal fight in uh, restricted free agency. Okay, okay. And then and then lastly, Con, and this is just kind of a throwaway here, anyone on Chicago, do you see Chicago make any move with, with Chris Dunn maybe or uh, uh, Zach Levine? I doubt Zach Levine said Laurie Mark and them aren't available, and that's, that's kind of obvious, I'm sure. Well, I don't think anyone, like if they trade Dunn or Levine, they need to get something crazy back, and no one's going to give them the thing they want back for those two players, so they're just going to stay on the team. And then Robin Lopez is a clear buyout candidate, so no one's really going to offer too much. Maybe they can pull an expiring and like a second-round pick or something if Philly gets desperate or, like I don't know, someone who needs a backup big. And then I just Jabari, I don't see anyone taking him either. So it's it's looking like uh, it's actually been the most active for the Bulls. They have been raking in the cash considerations. Marshawn Brooks, <laughs> Mello, who else just just recently who who just got tossed to the to the Bulls for for cash considerations uh, uh, from the Thunder? T- yeah, TLC, Timothy. TLC. Uh, there you go. That's three. That's three already. They've been the most active trade team. So I mean, I'm sure that'll continue. For sure, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say, so I've got, I mean, a couple of small things. Like, obviously, we're all probably expecting the Rockets to try and do something. Um, it's going to be most likely just the framework of, of some, you know, bad team that's selling, clearly. Um, taking on Knight's deal with a first-round pick 
in exchange for a player that can help the Rockets. Everyone's thrown around Bazemore. You know, that work, that deal, you know, would work for Miritich, who could also help. It's funny how Miritich kind of makes a lot of sense for so many teams. Um, like, Miritich <laughs> could fit in Utah. He could fit in Portland. He could fit in Houston. He could fit in Philly. Um, I mean, he could fit, I mean, I mean, shooting, you know, talented offensive, you know, fours are, are you know, can probably fit in most places. Um, but it's pretty funny that, that I mentioned that for the Rockets. Um I think the, the Sixers kind of have to shore up their roster for the playoffs. They kind of need a wing and a big at the same time. They've also, you know, the possibility they can use Markel Fultz in a deal. Um, so those are two other teams in addition to Portland, obviously, the Grizzlies and the Thunder that I'm, you know, really keeping my eye on for this deadline. I'm not sure if you guys have any other teams you want to mention before we kind of wrap up. No, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, a sneaky one, I'd like to see the Lakers make a play for uh... – Nikola Vucevic in Orlando. I think that with Mo Bamba and Jonathan Isaac and them there, that although he's an all-star and, you know, he's 28, he's going to be a free agent this year. If you bring him back, is he stunting the development of the younger guys? Um, if not, are you going to sound to like a, a short-term deal, like maybe a two-year deal and have him kind of platoon that spot with those other young guys? Because they're not ready yet, but I'm saying it depends on what Orlando's trying to do. And the Lakers, I mean, they'd have a stretch five, at least for the stretch run, that I think would be so valuable to LeBron James and I mean if they got AD and, and others you know it would just be a thought so that that's that's a move I want to see made I mean maybe Aaron Gordon being traded is one and really as a Lakers fan if we could just get AD by any means possible I mean I'm, I'm, I'm saying that one I, I really want him to get AD but at the same time I almost shudder to think of what the Lakers roster will look like when it's been gutted and I don't want it to be like um uh New York a la you know the mellow trade in 2011 where it's like no one there. Mind you, you still have LeBron, but, I mean, yikes. So that that's really it. Anything Laker-centric is kind of what I'm on. Uh, if Phoenix could get D'Angelo Russell or point guard, not likely with him being an all-star, but I, as long as they could do that, that'd be interesting as well, and, and really that's about all. So we heard it here first that uh, Corbin wants the Lakers to trade for AD with a package of Rondo, uh, Lance Stevenson, uh, Beasley, and uh Ingram for the young player. That's what I've. That's what I heard from Corbin there. I'm all for it, man. That can work for any player in the NBA. Let's make that only. Trip. Only if I can get Bonga too. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he might be untouchable, man. You know, you don't know how Magic Johnson thinks. Exactly. Um, this is. I think this is going to be. It's either going to be a really, really crazy and fun deadline, or a relatively uneventful, calm um deadline that that's i think there's like two different sides of this deadline so who knows i mean it ad kind of holds a lot of the cards i mean ad slash pelicans kind of hold a lot of the cards i think the grizzlies hold a lot of the cards given how many trades they could make and then how aggressive some of these contenders blazers thunder rockets sixers how aggressive they want to get i think those are the teams that also will you know control a lot of this True, true. It's going to be a lot of sway in those teams. Exactly. I'm really, really hoping for a crazy kind of trade deadline. I feel like a couple that have been like kind of slow and like one or two moves made or last year where I think the real splash was made like just before the trade deadline, like with Blake Griffin and some other stuff. So, I, I, I mean, oh man, I'm excited, but at the same time, I really want some stuff to go down, you know? Yeah, we for all me, do. <laughs> I mean, for the basketball analyst in me does, but, like, the empathetic human side of me hopes it's oh, just, like, man. super quiet and no <laughs> one has to up and move their home because they've been stressing about trade rumors about their life for the I past know. month. Like, it's kind of crazy how, like, these this is easily the most stressful time of year for everyone in the league that's, like, hearing their names everywhere. They literally don't know where they're going to live in the next, like, a week from now. So, wow, I... Wow, scary. Yeah, <laughs> 
So I'm just going to put that out there as like a PSA. We love doing the financial side of it, but we have no idea what it's like to do the hardest side of it, which is the human side. So shout out to all the players and GMs and just everyone that's involved in this uh, kind of crazy time period from a mental standpoint as well. True that. Definitely. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Thank you, Khan, for uh, coming on the show. First time uh, guest. Obviously, what we like to do here is make sure everyone can find your work so you can throw out where people can listen to you and then where they can follow you on Twitter. For sure. Uh, my personal Twitter is at Iconic, uh, spelled with my name. So I-K-A-A-N-I-C. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, had to come, I had to come up with something iconic there. And then um, <laughs> and you can follow our podcast at The Bench Mob NBA. Uh, and that's the name of the podcast as well as and the Twitter handle. Uh, so we just did a crazy big like two and a half hour mock trade deadline where I mentioned it maybe earlier in the pod. But we went through yeah. there, at least a negotiation for every team and more for most teams because teams have a lot of stuff to do. And we filled up the entire two and a half hours with a lot of a lot of trades so go check that out if you like this stuff and yeah thanks for having me on guys this was really fun hey it was it was a pleasure man always i love your content you you know i'm already gonna be teasing you (laughs) retweeting love it man thanks a lot no problem man yeah yeah thanks a lot um and everyone you guys know uh, where you can follow corbin and i and and follow us and get all our work and at the 94 um at the 94 underscores is the twitter handle um the 94feet.com of course you'll follow both of our personal accounts to get uh, updated episodes of the pod um so yeah thanks again con for coming on and, and talking trades with us um and everyone have a, a great week of watching nba basketball and hopefully you know not too many players have to move around and change their lives and hopefully us as analysts get at least a couple of moves to kind of give us some content for the next couple uh, next couple of weeks or so for sure for sure peace out guys all right take all care. right y'all all right